Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss data privacy engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by the Chief Privacy Officer of Skyflow, Robin Andrus, and we'll be discussing what every company should know about data privacy. Robin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. I'm really excited to be here chatting with you more about data privacy. Awesome. Would you mind uh, starting off by just introducing yourself to uh, our listeners out there? Sure. Um, I'm Robin Andrus. I'm the Chief Privacy Officer at Skyflow. I've been here about six months. And before I was at Skyflow, I have about 14 years of privacy, including most recently a role at Twilio as their data protection officer, but also privacy roles at Google, Yahoo, and TrustArc, a privacy consulting company. My career experience before that was really in the risk and compliance space at Deloitte and in-house at an investment firm doing finance and accounting. Um, You know, on a personal level, I'm a mom of two kids, a a little boy and a little girl. And I also have a very lovely 12-year-old yellow Labrador retriever as well. Awesome. Sounds like a very full house. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So... You know, you're the chief privacy officer at Skyflow. And, you know, what are essentially the responsibilities of someone who's filling that role at a company? Yeah. So the chief privacy officer is a relatively newer position that companies really are starting to realize that they do need someone dedicated to privacy. It the, One of the very first chief privacy officers actually was um, at a company I worked for at Yahoo and Toth, who's now in uh, at Alexa and privacy. But, you know, that was a company that was doing a lot of data processing um, through advertising and policies. And they really felt that privacy was important. So back then, you know, in the 90s or 2000s, they, they were one of the first chief privacy officers as well as some other advertising companies in the Valley. So we're starting to see the role evolve. Um, but, you know, it really is, you know, showing a company showing that they have are taking a serious approach towards privacy. Like privacy is not just this back office thing where they're going to have someone kind of do a check the box that it's really, you know, something they're committing to a tone from the top around privacy. So I kind of using that as a starting point, the role of a chief privacy officer really is to, you know, first and foremost, be the privacy expert within the company, understanding the privacy rules and regulations, being able to interpret them and help support the business and implementing Um, compliance with various rules and regulations, best practices, you know, a lot around trust and ethics, like also thinking about what you can do with the data, but what do you want to do with the data, which is the best thing for your customers? Um, You know, and they can vary, you know, some privacy, chief privacy officers are doing a lot more of kind of thought leadership and the culture and some are helping with the product. It's not like a CFO where, you know, kind of a CFO always does the same role. It's still an evolving role in a way, but it really is kind of a head of privacy within the company. Mm-hmm. And has there been like a shift that's happened in our industry that's led to more companies, you know, seeing the value of creating a chief privacy officer role within their, their overall organization? Well, with the uh, yes, the GDPR was really the forcing function of companies being more aware of this privacy thing and what it is and how important it is. Um, so I would say that was you know the first kind of forcing shift globally. That doesn't necessarily mean that every company went out and created a chief privacy officer. There was a within the GDPR there is a regulation to have a data protection officer, which is you know also someone who's responsible for privacy within the organization, but. 
kind of coming back to the U.S., the the CCPA, the GDPR, and just the overall awareness of how important privacy is and how much that awareness has grown over the past four and five years has really made, you know, everyone from the C-suite to the board level realize that privacy is something important, just like security that needs, you know, its own dedicated role. And that is, you know, some point they want a leader to show that they're really dedicated to privacy. So you are starting to see more and more companies hire a chief privacy officer and making it an executive position. Mm -hmm. And you've um, been working in the data privacy space for a long time for, you know, a number of different well-known companies. What is, what led to this interest in working within data privacy? Yeah. So to be honest to you, I really just fell into the space. My undergrad is in accounting. I was an auditor. You know, I I worked a lot on Sarbanes-Oxley and controls while I was auditing large companies at Deloitte. And then I went in-house and I was in corporate finance, basically, um, you know, doing financial planning administration. And I really wasn't happy in that role. And I, I left that role and realized I really enjoyed working with clients and customers and more or less fell into privacy at Trustee, which was the little company, the company with the little green seal that used to be on every page, showing that everyone had the same privacy standards. And it, so it wasn't something, there wasn't a particular event or something that happened that led me to privacy. Um, it was more or less the job sounded interesting. I felt that it aligned with my background of working in risk and compliance and audit. Um and, you know, the funny thing is I actually had to Google privacy when I was researching the role and there wasn't much information out there. When the only thing that was out there was information about a Facebook beacon settlement, which is where someone saw a guy was going to buy an, um, an engagement ring for his girlfriend at the time. And then he was looking at it online and then the girlfriend saw it suggested to her um, And that was, you know, a lawsuit that was actually settled because Facebook didn't believe that, you know, he was given enough notice and choice that like by shopping for this ring, then his girlfriend would see what he was shopping for. So kind of the creepiness factor there. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it's really something I fell into. And really, you know, once you get into the space, you know, people really, most people tend to like it, you know, you feel that you're helping the general person, the general public. Um, and so I find that most people that move into privacy, however, they fall into it or directly move into it because it's a particular interest, they they tend to enjoy it and are passionate about it. You mentioned that, you know, you came at this through having a, an account, a degree in accounting and then kind of fell into it. What is usually the is there like a typical background of someone who ends up kind of working it, you know, as a privacy engineer or as you know a compliance person? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I think, you know, I've been now in between San Francisco and Silicon Valley for a good number of years. And you see people, you know, not doing what their originally degree was and kind of moving into something else like, um, you know, like marketing or sales or, or um, different functions. So many of the early people in privacy were like that, you know, they, they were kind of just maybe in a risk and compliance function, maybe in a policy function. There were some people that came at it from, Um, working for the big four consulting firms, because a lot of those firms had early on privacy, security and risk consulting firms, and that's consulting practices. And that's where they kind of got their chops in privacy. Um, 
that's where the, a lot of the earlier people kind of fell into privacy. You know, there were the people who said, let me do this thing that's not that exciting and then just really learned it and, and dove in. Now we are, I am starting to see more people with, um, you know, security backgrounds, definitely legal backgrounds, um, still seeing a good amount of people coming from a risk and compliance and privacy consulting backgrounds um, or, or engineers by, by trade that are, have particular interest in privacy or have dabbled in it and would like to really more get involved in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, some people coming from security that, you know, end up going into privacy. And it seems like a lot of times people who are maybe less familiar with, uh, you know, the space of, of privacy, they tend to lump security and privacy together. You know, from your uh, perspective and, and experience, what's the difference between those two areas? So let's go back to like the early 2000s. You know, remember, there were a lot of data breaches, a lot of information was being put online and there were a lot of data breaches. And that's because the systems that held that data were not secure. So that is really security. Security is the lock and key and the techniques around keeping the data locked. Um, Privacy more so is, you know, there's a component of like your data can't be privacy without property, proper security control. So the bad person can't get in and get the data, but it's also around like what you collect, why you collect it. How, like, so, you know, for example, there's this concept of data minimization, which is, you know, don't collect more than you need to provide the service for the customer. Um, what you collect, why, you know, what are you going to do with it? Are you, and then like obviously being truthful, disclosing why, how it's being used, you know, the option of choice and consent. And so privacy really is, is much more about the how, the why the data is used and security is around like the lock and key around encrypt, you know, keeping that data secure. So if you think of it as a Venn diagram, security is the controls and all the frameworks and the processes and the technologies to keep that data secure. And privacy is more around, you know, collecting the data, um, what you're doing with the data, and you are, but you are also starting to see more merging of the two, if you will, you know, through different technologies. So they're still in a way like very distinct studies, but you are starting to see more kind of similarities in between the two functions. Yeah. So they're like... Uh, different things, but re- heavily related in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you were first looking at your first role in privacy, you actually had to Google around for you know privacy. And in in my past, you know, before I worked at Google, I basically had no exposure to a privacy function throughout my career, as I had mostly worked for you know smaller companies. And when I started leading product features at Google, people initially would ask me, you know, did privacy sign off on this yet? And I was like, uh, I don't know, is that a thing? And over time, I learned, you know, what they did, what the responsibilities are and what mine were as well from a privacy standpoint. But can you explain what a privacy function is, is doing and what they're responsible for within an organization when it comes to things like product feature launches or the types of engineering that's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and no, that's a really good example. I mean, even if you apply that, you know, you know what security is, you know, you know about having a secure, like to the just general public, you know what security is, you know what security is and having a secure password um, when you log into a website so, so no one can go in and get your data. But not everyone knows what privacy is. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Like my mother 
um, you know, she always, I think for years thought I was in that security thing. And she's like, oh, oh, that other, like your husband, your cousin's husband works in security. You should go to church. I'm like, no mom, it's privacy. Um, and, and now after, you know, some Cambridge Analytica and more just general awareness around privacy issues, um, I think people are really starting to understand it's different. Um, so that's more for the general public, you know, like my mom, who's a retired teacher. Going to back to the corporate world, I want to use that analogy as well. You know, like you're building a startup, like you're not going to skimp on private on security, right? Like you don't want someone to hack into your system, hopefully. Um, and that's kind of, I would say privacy is just, you know, lagging a security function by a couple of years. So a company like Google, you know, Facebook, Yahoo, Amazon, Walmart, like if, especially those in the advertising tech industry or the healthcare industry, fin- financial services industry, um, they do have larger established privacy programs because they had to, they had to be aware of privacy. They had consent decrees or different regulations. Like they really had to build up comprehensive privacy programs. Um, smaller organizations just haven't had the awareness or the resources, but I do see that starting to change. Do you think that it makes sense for essentially every company to hire a privacy specialist? Yeah. In an ideal world, um, you know, I think that it would be excellent for every company to have a privacy function, someone who understands privacy, that's able to help ensure the organization is compliant, uh, is doing the right thing with data and, you know, is obviously following all the rules, but also from an ethics and trust perspective. Mm-hmm. In reality, though, you know, that might not be an option for companies with their budgets. Um, as a best practice, you know, I always recommend that if you're the CEO, if you're a board level, like be aware of privacy and what it is and why it is important to your organization. Um, you know, one privacy incident can can put you in a lot of hot water, both from a an overall risk perspective, like you know, potential investigation from the regulators and just trust too. But, you know, so getting that tone from the top, at least understanding privacy is important, putting it into your budget. And let's say hypothetically, you don't have a resource to hire a chief privacy officer or don't have a resource to dedicate someone directly to privacy. What I have seen is, you know, usually there's someone who kind of thinks it's interesting and is willing to put the hand up and, take it on as like a, you know, Google, they had this thing called 20% projects. That's like, it's a little bit more than your day job. Like if your day job's a hundred percent, that's 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if, you know, you can't hire a full-time privacy specialist or a privacy engineer, you know, that's obviously a best practice. But if you can't think about, you know, maybe there's someone who wants to put their hand up and own privacy until you can actually bring that full-time person on. And, for organizations that do start investing in, you know, maybe something like privacy engineering, where does it typically sit within the organization? Is that reporting to like an engineering function or some other area of the organization or does it vary? Yeah. So we're starting, you know, I would, I would, the whole privacy space is relatively, you know, young overall. Um, and the privacy engineering space is very young as well. You know, I've seen privacy functions like more risk and compliance functions might sit within like an internal audit or an audit department. I've seen a privacy function like a privacy GRC or kind of privacy technical program managers sit within security. Um, Some of the larger companies that have more established privacy engineering departments, 
like Google and Facebook, you know, they will sit more within the product organization or, for example, um, within kind of the privacy office, like the head privacy function. And, uh, you know, I, I have seen it in a legal department at one point or uh, in a lot of financial services company, you might see part of a risk department. So it's not set in stone. You know, I think it's still evolving and I think it depends on the need of the company, you know, budget, the organization, etc. And I imagine, uh, you know, given the variety of ways that the reporting structure might work within an organization, the sort of background and roles and responsibilities of privacy engineering also changes between organizations. Yeah, I would, I would say the definition of what a privacy engineer is also still really being formed in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you think about it, you have the rules and regulations and they're interpreted, but then, you know, the engineer, an engineer doesn't always understand what these rules and regulations mean to kind of put it into how they need to put it into practice. And so the privacy engineer is that person who can be the layer between the, you know, the rules and the regulations, understanding what they are, understanding the concepts, the whys, the hows, but also, you know, technically savvy enough to sit down with an engineer and, you know, map out, oh, hey, how would that DSAR deletion work? How would you, you know, identify all the PII and label it as sensitive PHI or data and then put it into a vault and encrypt it? Like someone that, you know, gets both sides of the scale. Um, there's, there's that, you know, but then I've also seen much more technical sort of privacy engineers that are more in a data scientist role. So, you know, they're working actually on differential privacy and data anonymization and statistics around that data. So, you know, we are starting to see the role really evolve and be defined in front of our, you know, as we speak right now. Hey there, Sean here. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Partially Redacted. If so, please subscribe so you can always check out the latest episode and help others find the show by leaving a rating and review. Final thing before I get you back to the interview, if you're interested in privacy and security, have a challenge or issue you want to discuss, or want to share your expertise, please join the Partially Redacted community at skyflow.com community. All right, now back to the show. Thanks. And um, shifting to more um, sort of practical advice for a company, let's say that you were, if you were advising like a startup today, what advice would you give them about how to navigate this like changing privacy landscape? Yes. Um, I mean, I would definitely say, you know, at the minimum, you know, like I said before, dedicate someone to it. It's uh, if you're a CEO, it's going to be hard to also stay on all the top of the, the rapidly changing privacy regulations. Um, secondly, I would, you know, be aware of there's a lot of different frameworks and tools out there now, which is really helpful for someone trying to kind of start a privacy function with an organization. The industry actually is very willing to kind of help out each other and, you know, tools and tricks and best practices. But, you know, you know, think about what what regulations are you in? What jurisdictions are you in? What regulations are you covered by? Is it HIPAA or health data you're collecting? Is it financial services data? Are you in the EU? Are you in the US? Um, so at least first kind of understand the scope. And then, you know, think about how to execute on a project or program to build out a comprehensive privacy program. Um, you know, hopefully you've been able to dedicate someone to really focus on it. But in, and there's also the ethics piece, which I, you know, 
Like you could collect certain amount sets of data, but do you want to? And don't just think about what you can do, but also think about, you know, what's the right thing to do for your end user and your customer. Right. Yeah. The So for, for someone who, you know, a company that decides, you know, someone puts their hand up, I guess, to take on this responsibility, but maybe has not worked in the space before and they need to kind of get up to speed with, uh, you know, the regulations that maybe are applicable to them. How do they even start that process? Like what kind of resources should they seek out? Yeah. Um, so I always point people to the IAPP.org. It's kind of the established privacy industry association. Um, it is a nonprofit and they used to have free publications that you could subscribe to that just curated all the privacy news. There's one for the US, one's for EU, one for Canada, one for APAC. Those used to be free. I don't know if they still are, but I know there's some content on their website that is free. Um, another industry association I found helpful is the Future Privacy Forum, which is more of a think tank and privacy for the US. But they have some interesting analysis of different privacy rules and regulations. Um, you know, the great thing is you're also, I'm starting to see some classes on LinkedIn, like just the basics of privacy and the GDPR. And that's great because that wasn't even around in 2018 when I was working with engineers and trying to explain privacy to them. I couldn't just say, here, go read this LinkedIn course. It wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you know, there's some new privacy engineering classes that are coming out. Um, so, you know, that you could take. And then you, we are starting to see some universities like Carnegie Mellon has a privacy engineering certificate and a master's program. I did take the certificate program and we know some people taking the master's program. And I've actually been, you know, very, it's very nice to be able to work with someone who kind of gets the privacy basics um, learned through that or through an organization. Um, It just makes kind of, everyone's job easier to understand the why, like, why is a cookie consent like this? Like, you know, kind of the, the how and the why behind. So the IAPP, the Future Privacy Forum, you know, look at some free classes. There are a lot of resources out there now, but those are kind of the more well-known established industry resources. Yeah, those are great. We should pr- probably add those into the show notes for this episode. And I should probably go take the uh, certificate at, uh, at Carnegie Mellon in privacy. But um for in terms of you know companies that are starting out, what are the things that every company should be thinking about when it comes to data privacy? Um, if you're you know if you're not if you haven't even thought about it, um, you know the very minimum is understand what data you're collecting and why. You know, do a data mapping, um, understand what data you're collecting, why, how it's being stored, if your disclosures are accurate. Just that's the bare minimum. And then, you know, moving forward from that, understanding the different rules and regulations that are coming, how it's going to impact you and building a comprehensive program around privacy, just like you would a security program. That's the bare minimum. But then there's also, you know, other options around there's different risk framework, like the NIST has a privacy risk framework. Um, There's other, you know, industry privacy frameworks and best practices that you could use to kind of mature your program. So there's really it really depends on the level of maturity you'd like to have your program at. And then for companies that, you know, don't, they basically choose to not prioritize this because of, you know, other things that are more important to them at the time, like, you know, building features that serve their customers or, you know, focusing on revenue generation or something like that. What are some of the consequences or impact or potential consequences or impact for, for not, you know, prioritizing something like privacy earlier on and creating a privacy program? 
Yeah, I mean, leading with privacy can be very advantageous, but you need to be truthful about what you're doing and do what you say, say what you do. So I'll use, you know, an example of an app that was recently touted as a privacy safe app. A lot of people downloaded it and then they found out that, you know, the app wasn't at the time they downloaded it wasn't exactly wasn't exactly doing what they said they were doing in the privacy policy. They have since updated it. But, you know, if you want, just want to add the caveat that if you are going to kind of make a pitch about being privacy safe and forward to really think about your policies and programs and actually doing what you say you do, um, you know, the worst case scenario is, you know, obviously you are not following a law or regulation. Um, you know, what the, what could happen is, you know, a, uh, you know, you have a privacy incident where I'll, I'll use, you know, just Facebook as an example. Um, this was a while ago, but, you know, at one point Facebook decided that everyone's messages and in your posts should all be public to just everyone, um, to all, to all your connections. And I knew of this change coming cause I was in the privacy industry in 2012 and, not many people did. So I went in, I changed my settings to, you know, only my connections could see my Facebook posts, not just the whole world. And not everyone did that. And what happened was a researcher actually discovered this and then, and then came an investigation and the FTC went after Facebook. What, you know, the worst case scenario is obviously you could say something, you're not following through with it. You could have an investigation, you could be fined, you could lose your customers, negative PR, you know, not following the rules and regulations, and then that could take down your whole brand, hypothetically. In the case of, uh, you know, the Facebook situation, maybe you don't know, but like, how does something like that get through an organization like Facebook? I'm assuming they would have had a privacy program at that point. I can't comment on that time at Facebook. You know, I guess I think it was kind of a different era in a way. It was, you know, we're talking 10 years ago. Everyone social was really big, right? Um, everyone had a social media site or wanted to have a social media site. And it could just have been the culture and maybe just, you know, thinking that, that this was the best thing for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just sometimes a culture might clash. I mean, I remember seeing a news article around the same time where I think it was a teacher had posted on Facebook negative things about her students. And she had thought it was just to her private kind of Facebook community. And then that change happened and all these things were said to a broader network. And then I think she lost her job because, because of it. But she thought when she initially posted these things that it was private to just her contacts, like an email, right? Like you don't expect the contents of your email to be shown with everyone. And that was her expectation. But, you know, if you look at, you know, going back to 2012, like I think I remember, you know, privacy is dead, everything's shared, like everyone wanted to share things. And so maybe maybe there were discussions around it at the time internally. Maybe there were not. But a lot of it is just the culture and the company at the time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, Facebook and other social networks were really taking off when I was in graduate school. And I remember sort of that sentiment of, you know, everything's in the public. Uh, you know, privacy's dead. And there has been really a shift over the last decade or so to to. I think of the new generation and also essentially consumers and businesses understanding that maybe that's not the best thing. Yep. I mean, I've, I've recently read something that, you know, the newer generation 
you know, more of the people in crypto, like they kind of want to be kept anonymous. They're over this, like the, you know, being so your life revolving around your social, like Instagram image. So there, there could be a shift in going back to like more private, more, I don't want to share with everyone. I want to share with some people and, you know, share my life with some people on Instagram or Facebook and others, I don't need to share with the world. And then there are people that want to share with the world and want to get everything out there and that they love doing that. And that's okay too. I think the point is, is, you know, people do want to use these products and platforms and giving them the choice, notice and disclosure is important. Yes. Well said, you know, in terms of, you know, we talked about this shift that's happened over the last decade, but looking forward to, you know, maybe the next decade and beyond, are there future technologies or developments happening in, in the privacy space that you're excited about? Yes, for sure. Um, so the, the more recent regulations, the GDPR, the CCPA, you know, as they were put in place, you know, a lot of companies were really just scrambling to put those in place to make sure they were really understanding their data, their data flows, their data mapping, um, performing risk assessments around the data as like understanding how it was really impacting the data subject or the person. And a lot of these are in a way, you know, risk exercises, like a manual checklist and documentation. But what is really nice, and I'm starting to see is much more technologies around privacy enhancing technologies or pets, as they're called. So, you know, rather than just having a database with the PII sprawled everywhere is, you know, like, maybe you just want to put certain sets of data that are highly sensitive into a more secure vault and then share a, um, a token or something less sensitive or identifiable outside of the vault. So you're starting to see that and more and really more technologies and technologists getting involved in solving the privacy program. That's that's what I'm excited about. And then, you know, I'm also just excited that people are becoming more aware of privacy and passionate about it and understand how it impacts them. Because um, I do think just that general awareness is good for public and people, you know, to keep themselves safe and their families safe. Yeah, the, the, for sure. I mean, I think it's a really exciting time in terms of some of the development that's going on in, in privacy. And I'm sure that's only going to continue to expand as, especially with things like uh, the scale of cloud really allows us to do things that we couldn't really do 20 years ago in terms of, you know, computational cycles and being able to do things um, like uh, across, you know, multiple computers and stuff. And of course that introduces new privacy challenges that we have to deal with, but there's that kind of power, computational power allows us to do some amazing things when it comes to, actually keeping people's information secure uh, and as well as other programs like, you know, differential privacy and beyond. Yep. And, you know, yeah, that's exactly it is, you know, how can you still have access to the data? So the data scientists or the, the analytics team can still run a business, but, you know, keep that user's data protected and safe. So in terms of, uh, you know, if, if someone's listening to this and, you know, they want to get interest or they want to learn more essentially about data privacy, what are, you mentioned some resources earlier in terms of a company, but for someone who's kind of curious, maybe they want to get into the privacy engineering space as a career path, where should they go to, to start to explore that? That's a good question. I mean, I have, um, you know, I have talked to some people around getting into the space. You know, some people on LinkedIn are, you know, willing to just kind of talk to people about tips and tricks on how to get in the space. I think, you know, if you're an educational person, like going to a postgraduate program or something could help, you know, and then another option is like, you know, there are actually a lot of temp agencies that 
might hire privacy pro- people, but the problem is, is like the chicken and egg scenario. You know, they want someone, the person that's usually hiring the person through a temp agency wants someone with privacy experience. But think about, you know, what your transferable skills are, right? So a lot, some of privacy might be understanding, um, you know, like you're a product manager. And so, you know, understanding the flow of a DSAR process, like data subject access request process and showing it actually happens. Uh, let's say you have a risk and compliance background, like I'm doing a Sarbanes-Oxley or IT audit, you know, looking at different controls or being a security controls or GRC is kind of taking that and then, you know, doing that 20% project idea where you, you know, try to learn more about privacy and volunteer for more privacy within your organization, learn it that way, and then move into a full-time role regarding privacy. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned earlier, a lot of companies, especially in the early days, are looking for someone to kind of put their hand up and take on some of the challenges of data privacy. So there's probably opportunities like that within, if you're working in industry today. Yeah, I would say in general, like more privacy if you know you need someone in privacy, people would like to have someone who has the privacy experience. Mm-hmm. There just aren't as many people out there that have kind of that, you know, expertise of running privacy in-house. But if there is someone willing to learn, um, there are a lot of resources out there where you can learn privacy and run a program. Awesome. And is there anything else you would like to add before we uh, wrap up today? Yeah, I just wanted to add, you know, there's it's a great space. There's a lot of opportunity for people in the space Um, The people in the industry are generally very willing and helpful. And another idea I just thought of is there's also the IAPP puts on these conferences. So if you're really kind of curious about learning more about the privacy industry, doing some more learning, they have an upcoming conference in um, Austin, Texas in October around privacy security risk that I'll actually be at. And but that's a good way to just kind of also just immerse yourself into the world to learn more about it as well. Awesome. That sounds great. Um, thanks so much, Robin, for joining us today and, uh, you know, sharing your expertise and, uh, and and hopefully helping some companies out there start to kind of figure out how, where to begin and how to navigate this, the world of, uh, of data privacy. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for hosting me. It's a great chat. Thank you.